good morning, church. My name's Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. Hasn't 2019 been a great year? Isn't it great to see the recap of all the wonderful things that we've been able to do as a church together? Well, I am so excited for this morning because I get to talk to everybody. We got babies in here and toddlers and kids. We got youth. Uh, we got young adults. We got young marrieds. We got adults. And we got evergreens. We got everybody here. And because of that, uh, it might get a little bit more noisy than normal. And I just want to remind you that if you hear a baby making some noise today, that it's just a good reminder that our church is alive. You know, if everybody in our church was my age and older, we would have a problem. And so we love being a multi-generational church. And now, if you're a parent here and you have a child who maybe ends up being a little bit too much of a distraction, then feel free to go ahead and just take them out to the lobby for a few minutes or walk around at the back. And if you have to do that, just know that I was once that child who had to be taken out of the service for making too much noise. I used to come to Sunday night services and I would color underneath the chairs. And then sometimes if I got a little too loud, my dad would take me out. And I, I even remember uh, friends of mine being escorted by their dad out of the service. And you could hear them the whole way as they were going along. And they were just saying, no, daddy, I promise I'll be good. And then they would go out the doors, and you would never see them again. <laughs> and so if you have to do that walk with your child, just know it's okay. We understand. Well, because we have the whole family here together, I've created a couple resources for us. So the first is the Frontline team has passed out a coloring sheet. Uh, it's got mazes. It's got a word find on it. And so if you're just young at heart and you like mazes and you like coloring, then uh, raise your hand. Make sure you get one of those uh, from our Frontline team. And I also have sermon notes that are available for the adults or even for older kids. If you want to follow along with the main points that I have, you can fill in the blanks and we can participate that, uh, in that together. Well, as we are at the last Sunday of 2019, you know that, uh, it's a great time for us to take a moment and to stop and look and evaluate how the last year has gone. And so the question I want to start with today is, how do you know if you've had a successful year? When you stop for a moment and you look back at 2019, how do you know if it was successful? And if you're filling in the blanks, then that's the first blank uh, that you can put on your sermon notes. How do you know if you had a successful year? Because each of us, we might look at different things. You might uh, look at if you were a goal setter, you set some goals, and were you able to accomplish those goals this year? Maybe for you, it's about how much money you were able to make this year. Whether you made more money than a previous year, that would be a sign for you of success. Uh, maybe it's if your grades improved. And if you're a student, the great thing about being a student is you get report cards, or you get marks and grades, and so you're able to kind of see how your education is going throughout the year. You can stop and evaluate that. Maybe for you, it's if you were able to spend more quality time with loved ones in 2019. How do you know if you've had a successful year? Do you look at how happy you are? Is that the measurement for you? It's your happiness. Or is it based on the amount of worry or anxiety or stress 
that you might have been feeling in this past year? Is it based on your level of effectiveness? Whatever it is that we look at, I think when we're trying to understand, if we will take the time and not just kind of breeze into next year and and never stop and evaluate, but if we look at these things, whatever sort of metric you might use, all of us are going to look at the results. We look at the results. We care about results. We want to know that the time and effort and energy that we're putting into things We want to be able to see, what am I getting out of this? We care about results. And when the Bible talks about results, it uses the word fruit. And fruit is, we can put it up here, fruit is the evidence or the results of a person's character. So when we look at it in the Bible, when it talks about fruit, that's going to be the evidence or the results of your character. So that's going to come out in your humility or your sincerity or your honesty. The character that's in you is going to produce fruit. And you're going to be able to see those good results in your life. When the Bible talks about fruit, it's also talking about the work of God's Holy Spirit that is in us and working in us. And it's the results and the evidence of God's Spirit in us. And so it's the Uh, presence and the power and the purpose of the Holy Spirit working in us. And then we're going to see the good results. We're going to see the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. We're going to see these good results because God's Spirit is working in us. So when we are looking at results, the Bible also talks about good results. It calls it fruit. And the thing about God is that he wants us to be fruitful. God cares about fruit. He wants you to produce good fruit, good results. God cares about results. Now, when we say that, that might kind of bounce off of us a little bit. And the thing that we need to understand is that when we become a believer in Jesus... When we repent and we believe in him, God puts us into this place of grace and mercy that comes from him. And the results that we're trying to produce in our life is not to earn our salvation or to make God love us. That's not the kind of results and the kind of fruit that we're able to produce in our life. But from this place of grace and mercy and putting on the righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, this is a great place for us to grow in grace, and to produce fruit. And God wants you to be fruitful. And so we're not earning God's love, we're not earning our salvation, but we're producing good results because of this environment of grace and mercy and righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And so God cares about results. But that is terrifying to me when I really stop And I'm honest with myself because I can see areas in my life, areas in my heart that are unfruitful, that are barren, that are out of alignment. Or there's something that seems to be missing because no matter how much time and effort and all the energy that I try to put into these things and I want to see good results and I want to see good fruit and yet I keep coming back to these same issues and these same problems and I'm finding... There's not good results. And you could be here today as an eight-year-old, 
And you could be finding yourself in your room crying because your Xbox got taken away because you yelled at your mom. And you're not really happy with the results. Sometimes in my life I find I'm not happy with the results that I'm getting. You could be 18 years old and you find yourself in your room and you're crying because your Xbox got taken away because you yelled at your mom. And you're still not happy with the results. You could be 28 years old. Okay, I think you know where I'm going with this. But you could be 38 years old and you could stop and take a look at the relationships that you have in your life and you could realize they're not producing good results. They're not healthy relationships. You could be 68 or 88 years old and you're looking at what's happening in your thoughts or your attitudes or in your relationships where you're coming up against the same problems and you're not seeing good results. Sometimes we're not happy with the results that we're seeing in our life. And so how do we know if we've had a successful year? Well, we look at the results. And the Bible calls those good results fruit. And we want to be fruitful. God wants us to be fruitful. And we've been put into this position of grace and mercy where we can produce fruit. And yet sometimes we're not happy with the results that we're seeing. And so what do we do from this place. And this is where I want us together as a church to look at what Jesus has to say about this. And so if you would, open up your Bible with me to Luke chapter 13. And so if you are sitting next to somebody younger, if you've got someone in your family or you're sitting next to somebody, why don't you pull out your Bible and show them how to turn in their Bible to Luke chapter 13. Open up your Bible, share it with them, show them how to go to the table of contents. Show them the division of the Old Testament books and the New Testament books. Show them how to find the book of Luke and how to get to chapter 13. And if you are younger and you're sitting with somebody older today, why don't you pull out your smart device and show them how to use version and show them how to navigate to Luke chapter 13. Show them how you can change the translation to join us in the ESV translation so you can see the same words that I'm going to be reading from. And together as a church, can we take this opportunity in this family service to together look at the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 13. Now, Jesus is telling a parable that we're going to look at. And a parable is a story that's not just told to entertain. But there's truth that is in this story. And sometimes parables can be difficult for us to unpack or understand. Because, I mean, this parable was told, it's a story that was told nearly 2,000 years ago in a different part of the world to people of a different culture than us. And so we want to carefully look at what is the truth that Jesus is communicating and how can we apply this to our lives. And we're going to look at this in Luke chapter 13. I'm going to turn there in my Bible and I'm going to read it to you. So you still have a few more moments if you're not there yet. Luke chapter 13. This is what it says. We're going to look at verse 6. Jesus is talking, and he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it 
and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him. And so the vine dresser, or the gardener, answered the man. And he said, sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. All right, that's our parable. It's only four verses long. Not a very long one, and we're going to dig in and take a look at what is it that Jesus is communicating to us. Now, I come from a children's ministry background, and in children's ministry, we love to involve actors and people to kind of interact with the story. And since this is a family service, I figured this would be a great time to involve my family. And so I'm going to invite my son, PJ. He's seven years old. He's going to come up here. His name is Peter Jr. We call him PJ. He's going to help me. And PJ, I have a special role for you to play. You are going to play the part of the man. It was the role you were born to play. You are the man. All right, so our story has the man and it has a fig tree. And I have a tree over here that's going to represent the fig tree. And the first thing I want you to notice is that the man is very intentional about looking for fruit on his fig tree. He wants to find figs. He's probably hungry. Are you hungry right now? Show everybody how hungry you are. Oh, yeah, he needs some food. He's very hungry. All right, so uh, he comes again and again, year after year, and he's looking on his fig tree to see if there's any figs. So PJ, go ahead, see if you can find any figs there. You can't because it's not a fig tree, uh, but it just represents a fig tree. And, and search as much as you want, but you're not going to find there are no figs on this tree. And so he's searching again and again, and he can't find any fruit. And so he starts to get frustrated after the third year. Surely there should be some fruit by now. And he's not finding it, and so uh, he says his line. Are you ready for your line? All right. Ready? He says, cut it down. Cut it down. Oh, excellent job. Excellent. My son, the actor. All right. Cut it down. That's his line. So he's frustrated. He's saying, this tree is a waste of space. I keep looking for fruit, and there's no fruit. Get rid of it. Cut it down. Okay, so this is the first part of the parable. And now when it comes to looking at this parable, we're going to look at three different ways that we can interpret this story that Jesus is telling. And the first and most important way that we want to understand this parable is in the context of what's happening in Luke chapter 13. And so if we want to rewind a little bit, you can take a look at the verses that come before this parable. And it tells us that Jesus is having a, a conversation with some people. And they're talking about some tragedies that have happened. And Jesus is making the point that whether we have a long time or a short time, all of us need to repent. We need to turn from our own way. We need to turn to God's way. We need to repent or we're going to perish. And so when we understand the context, we can understand that 
the first interpretation, and, and most important in the context of the chapter, is that God is the man. And God is the maker of the vineyard. There's a beautiful garden. There's grapes growing everywhere. And that there is this fig tree in this beautiful vineyard, this beautiful garden. And God is coming to the fig tree. And the fig tree represents God's chosen people, Israel. And God is looking for fruit in Israel. And he's looking for the fruit of repentance. He's looking for the evidence, the results that they have turned to God from their own ways. And he's not seeing any fruit. He's looking for the fruit of righteousness. And they're not living right before God. And so the man is looking again and again. And so finally he says his line, are you ready? He says, cut it down. He says, cut it down. That's exactly right. So that's our first interpretation. God is looking for fruit in Israel. And then we can look at it in the context of the whole Bible. And so we know because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us, that he died on the cross and he rose again, that we can repent and turn from our way and believe in Jesus. And that when we do that, we are brought into the family of God and we are part of his church and that now we look at this, that the man, God, is coming, and he's not just looking for fruit in Israel, his special chosen people, but now we are his chosen people as followers of Jesus. And so the man is looking for fruit in his church from this place of grace and mercy and putting on the righteousness of Christ. Are we showing the good results, the fruit of our repentance, the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, the fruit of righteousness. Is it evident in us? And if God isn't seeing fruit in his church, then he will prune and he will cut away the things that are dead, the things that are not growing, because he cares about his church and he cares about fruit. And so he would say his line, are you ready, PJ? Cut it down. Cut it down. All right, and then there is a third way that we can look at this story. And in this way, the man is you and me. And we come to an area in our heart or an area in our life where we are looking for good results, where we're looking for fruit where we're expecting to find some good results. And every time we come and we look at this part of our life, it could be in your career, it could be in your relationship with your best friend, it could be in your marriage, it could be in any area of your heart, your attitudes, your reactions, how you're living your life, you're trying, you want to see good results, and yet you search and they're not there. There's no fruit. And so what happens? We get frustrated we're looking again and again, year after year, and there's still no fruit. And so what do we say? Cut it down. We say cut it down. We're looking for big changes. We're looking for drastic measures, drastic results. And so we're coming to that relationship with your best friend, and you're, you want to see it be good, and it just seems like it's always not working, and there's no fruit, there's no good results happening. And so what do you say? You say, that's it. Friends off. You're not my BFF anymore. In fact, you can't come to my birthday party. 
Strong words from a six-year-old, let me tell you. We want drastic measures. So it's a relationship that you're in, and it's not working. You're not seeing the fruit, so you say, I'm just going to dump him. I'm going to dump her. I'm moving on. We come to an area in our career where it's just not, we're not seeing fruit. We're not seeing the results. We want to. We're trying. It's not there, and so we say, that's it. I'm done. I'm looking for something else. Or we drop the class, or we change our major. We want drastic measures to be taken. We're saying, cut it down. Burn it to the ground. I'm done with this. And so this is where we come to verse 8 in the parable. And take a look at it. Uh, We can go up here at verse 8. It says, and he answered him. So this is where the vine dresser or the gardener comes into the story. And so I'm going to have my daughter Lucy come up here. And she's going to be the vine dresser. She's five years old. She is going to play the part of the gardener, the vine dresser. And so the, the vine dresser answered him and said, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. And so in each of the interpretations that we look at this story, whether it's God looking for fruit in Israel or God looking for fruit in his church or you and I coming to a place in our life where we're expecting good results and we're just not seeing it. In each case, the vine dresser, the gardener, is Jesus. And Jesus intercedes on behalf of the tree comes between the man and the tree and says, would you give it to me for a year? Would you let me do my work? You're not seeing any fruit. You're not seeing the good results you want. But what if you gave it to me and let me do my work in the tree? Come back in a year and let's see if there's fruit. If there's no fruit, sure, cut it down, get rid of it, move on. But what if there will be fruit when I do my work? And here's the point that I want you to catch on to. It's that oftentimes we think that the hope for fruit is in the tree, or the hope for fruit is in ourselves. If I only try a little harder, if I just put in some more intention and some effort, then I will see fruit being produced. But what Jesus says to us is, what if you gave it to me? And what if you let me do my work? That the hope for fruit, the hope for good results in you, isn't found in you, but is found in the work of the gardener. It's found in the work of Jesus Christ in your life. And I believe if we can hold on to this and grasp this idea, it can set us free to know that Jesus is the one who is producing the fruit. He's working in me. That he wants me to be fruitful even more than I want to be fruitful. So Jesus is the gardener. Now, we need to understand the methods that Jesus uses to make us fruitful. The first thing he says is, let it alone for a year. Jesus' method takes time. We live in a fast-paced, fast-moving, complex world. And yet Jesus, the solution that he offers for us is simple and 
slow. You know, I want a drive-through option. I want instant results. I want two-day delivery on fruit. And yet Jesus is saying to me, would you give me a year? Would you give me a length of time? Would you let me work on it? I mean, think about it for a moment. A year is a long time. If you're eight years old, a year is a huge portion of your life so far. A year from now, the end of December 2020, that feels like forever. If you're 88 years old, well, then you know that years go by fast. But you also know that every year you have left is precious. And Jesus is asking for an entire year. Jesus, I don't have a lot more years. And you're going to take a year to make me fruitful in this area? So, Lucy, would you help me? Can we grab, we got a calendar here that shows all the days of 2020. So would you take that side and would you walk over that way? And we're going to see, look at all these months that we have. Look at all these days that are going to stretch out. Now let's turn it over. Oh, excellent work here. A whole year. Now we don't want to get too caught up in the year because it's a length of time. But as we're at the end of 2019, and as we're looking at all of 2020, it's a good opportunity for us to think about, man, the time it would take for Jesus to do his work might be slower than what we're looking for. Will we allow Jesus to take the time? Okay, the second method that Jesus uses is he says, or his method involves digging. Lucy, would you go get the shovel for me? Jesus says, I will dig around the fig tree. Now, the ground around the fig tree, that's going to be hard-packed ground. It's going to take a lot of work, a lot of effort to dig up that ground. And Jesus is the one who's saying, I will do the work. I will put the effort in to dig up the ground. All right, Lucy, do you want to go dig over there by the, the fig tree? Jesus is going to dig into those areas and issues in your life. Jesus is going to dig. He comes along with his shovel and he begins to stir up and agitate the ground. Those things that are buried beneath the surface, he starts to dig them up. Those things that you're saying you took care of, those things that are in the past, all of a sudden they pop back into your life. Jesus is digging into those issues. Okay, Lucy, come on back. You're too cute. You're distracting everybody with your beautiful digging. Stand with me here with the shovel. Great job. Now, I don't know about you, but I am very good at surface-level Christianity. I love talking to my friends about movies and fun things that don't really matter. And let's never get beneath the surface. Let's never dig into each other's lives. Let's just leave it the way it is. And here comes Jesus with his spade, with his shovel, and he starts digging into your marriage, or he starts digging into your career, or he starts digging into what you do in your spare time, and he's turning over things. Will you allow Jesus to dig into the unfruitful areas in your life? His solution is simple and slow. Will you let him do his digging? So Jesus digs. And the third method that Jesus uses involves manure. 
Jesus uses manure. Now, if I'm preaching this message to adults, then this parable is known as the parable of the barren fig tree. But if I'm preaching this message to kids, then the parable is known as the parable of the poop. Because Jesus says he's going to use the poop to enrich the fig tree. He's going to use the manure. He's going to dig around that tree, and then he's going to pile on the manure. Now, I happen to have some manure right here. This is a grade A high-quality cow manure that I purchased this week. Lucy, do you want to get in there with that shovel, and let's dig up some of the manure all right, let's show everybody. Here's some cow poop that we have available. And Lucy, do you want to go ahead and just put that right on the base of our fig tree over there? Excellent. Good job. Good job. All right, you can go back to your seat. Thank you. Jesus' method involves time. It involves digging, and it involves manure. And Jesus is saying he's going to enrich the fig tree with the nutrients that it needs. And he's going to use the poop that comes our way as an opportunity for us to become fruitful. Jesus says that your fruit is on the other side of the poop. But will you allow Jesus to use the manure that comes your way to enrich you, to give you the nutrients that you need so that you can produce fruit in unfruitful areas in your life. How do you respond to the poop? Because I know for me, when things start to get challenging at work and things are stressful and busy and there's a lot of moving pieces, when things start to get stressful in my marriage and my wife and I just can't seem to communicate or see eye to eye, when everything's coming against me, it seems, I'm just quick to, I rebuke you, devil. I'm not going to allow any of this to come my way. But will I have the perspective to see that Jesus can use the manure to grow me, to enrich me, so that I can become fruitful. But it's uncomfortable. It gets a little stinky. It gets a little smelly. And oftentimes, when things are challenging for me, then I want to withdraw. I'm saying, no, 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 I don't, I don't like this. I don't want any more of this. You know, maybe it would just be better to just leave things as they are. You know, I don't know how badly I really want to be fruitful when Jesus comes along with his shovel and with his manure, and he says, this is going to take a while. And so I think at this point, it would be good for us to back up and remind ourselves of, wait, why do we want to be fruitful again? Is it really that important? Do I really want to allow Jesus to dig into those unfruitful areas in my life? Do I really want to let him use the manure to enrich me? And so let's look at the why. First of all, we want to be fruitful because fruit honors God. God is looking for fruit. Jesus wants you to be fruitful more than you want to be fruitful. And I know there's times in my life where I just want to coast along. But Jesus is there to say, hey, if you give this to me, 
I'll work on it. I'll take the time. I'll put the effort in. And I can help you to become fruitful. Will you let me do my work? So fruit honors God. The second thing is that fruit impacts others. And what I mean by that is that I could stand up here and try and sound good for 30 or 40 minutes every once in a while. But when I go home with my wife and my kids, they are the ones who see the fruit of my life. They see the good results. I could be up here and I could be all green leaves. And I could hide the fact that my secret is there's no fruit. But my wife and my kids, the people that are closest to me, they are the ones who are going to see my fruit. And so for those that are around you, the people that you want to reach, the people who you want to impact, if there's no fruit, if there's no results or evidence of what Jesus Christ has done in your life, they're going to see It's all words. It's all leaves. Is there fruit? So the reason we want fruit is because we want to impact people. And we know that fruit honors God. And then the third part is that fruit benefits us. There is great benefit to us of seeing fruit from our character, fruit from the work of the Spirit. Take a look at this verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 32, 17, where it says, And the effect or the fruit of righteousness will be peace. And the result or the fruit of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. When we put on the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ, when we're in this position where we can grow and see this fruit being produced in our lives, there's a great benefit. I want to have a quiet trust that lasts forever. In every situation. Pastor Todd, last Sunday, he was talking about peace. We want to see peace in our life. And it's the fruit, it's the result of righteousness, of living right before God. But it only comes through Jesus. And this brings us to the end. And the final question. When we look at the very end of the parable where the gardener says, give it to me for a year. I'll dig around it, I'll put manure on, and then come back in a year, and we'll see if there's fruit. There's no promise, there's no guarantee. There's no real conclusion to the parable. I wish there was just one more sentence where it said that the man came back and there were so many figs and he was so happy because he loved figs. But it doesn't say that. It says, come back in a year and let's see. Will you allow Jesus to do his work. It's not about what you can do. It's the work he wants to do inside of you. But will you let him dig? Will you let him take the time? Will you let him use the manure to enrich you, to give you what you need so that you can be fruitful? Growth is natural, but growth can be painful. I remember when I was going through my growth spurt. You see, I wasn't always the tallest person in my class. I was pretty average height until later in high school when I had a huge growth spurt over a summer. And I remember lying in my bed, and it hurt so bad in my legs. I could feel my bones stretching. It was the worst feeling, but I was growing. You know, oftentimes I can look at my life and see it's in the hard seasons, it's in the difficult times that God is stretching me and growing me and making me fruitful. 
It's not always in the seasons where I'm just skipping along, la-di-da, and everything's going my way. Will you allow Jesus to do his work, to take the unfruitful areas of your life and make them fruitful? The question is, will we bear fruit?